0: A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey friends, Kevin here. Before we begin this podcast, I wanted to share with you something really, really cool. Here's a sneak peek at my friend's new podcast, Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope is a podcast about identity, faith, and social engagement in these dangerous times, and it's going to feature conversations with some really incredible people. Here's the Season 1 trailer.
1: Welcome to Kaleidoscope. I'm your host, Deborah Jian Lee.
0: So I'm the only brown guy at this white Christian party,
1: and this drunk guy stumbles towards me. He looks at the beanie I'm wearing and he says, why don't you take that hat off? You look like a terrorist. He very calmly took the Bible and then tapped on it and and showed me the verses that, you know, spoke to women shall have no authority over men in the church.
2: You know when you like are in such a sad, lonely place and you ask your deepest, darkest questions?
1: <laughs> like, I'm black, I'm a lesbian, and a Christian. Is there a church for me? I've been reporting on the margins of faith for years. Alright, I'm just I- going to test the sound. Yeah. And on this podcast, I'll explore questions of identity, existence, and social engagement. Um, so I thought we could just start by talking about the faith of your youth. I'll be hosting conversations with people from across the spectrum of belief and non-belief, and we'll travel to the moments that taught them how to engage life and the world in fulfilling ways. I was like, all right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go to a queer bar as a queer
0: person, and I'm just going to try it on and see how it feels.
1: You realize that you were contributing essentially to white supremacy. It causes you to really second guess what you're giving your life to. Join me and my guests as we expand the conversation about how we can be more fully ourselves. So it
0: did feel kind of weird that my
1: first tattoo wasn't a Christian tattoo, um, but then I have this big gay tattoo. More fully awake.
0: (sighs) It's hard. I mean, it's hard to tell the truth, but it has never seemed more
1: urgent than it does right now. And more fully engaged in this new era. We need to be actually challenging the policies that are hurting the marginalized. You'll feel all the feels. My
0: heart's going like a rabbit.
1: <laughs> and see the constantly changing pattern of existence. There are still so many things that are hard, but now I feel fantastic. So subscribe today and take a look into the kaleidoscope.
0: Let the world see you. When they do, they'll never be the same. You can find Kaleidoscope across social media at KScopePod. That's KScopePod and at kscopepod.com. And on top of that, you can go back and listen to a really great interview I had with Deborah Lee on A Tiny Revolution on episode 12 called The Beautiful Burden. So, yeah, go subscribe to Kaleidoscope in the Apple Podcast store, leave it a rating, share it with your friends. This is going to be a really good one, you guys. Okay, here's the show this week. Hi there, my name is Kevin Garcia, and you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. Y'all, happy Black History Month to all of my black friends out there. I'm going to be real with y'all. I've gotten pretty much a PhD level education from doing something as simple as listening to black voices in media, on Twitter, YouTube, the people in my circles, seriously, um, black friends... From across the country, I am indebted to you for all that you've done for me and my own work and how you support me and correct me and call me out when I need to. And I pray that every single day uh, I'm confronting my own racism and that I I hope to strive to be a better ally. So that's all I'm going to say about that is that I'm just really thankful for all of my black friends out there who teach me so much. Um, So in honor of Black History Month, I wanted to share some encore episodes featuring conversations I've had with my black friends on this podcast who are making black history here and now. So every week in the month of February, you are going to be getting an encore episode, uh, some from way back when I started this podcast and some you may have heard more recently in the past few months. Either way, they're inspirational, educational and everything you've ever wanted, to be honest. (laughs) So thanks for joining me for uh, Black History Month. And uh, here is an encore episode. Let's talk about my friend Alicia Crosby. I think what's funny about being in queer Christian world is that we often know each other through the internet um, and, and, and interact with each other as well before we actually meet in real life. And then we meet in real life. And it's like, wait. Have we met in real life yet? I don't know. And that's how it happened with my friend Alicia Crosby. We met at GC in this past year. And honestly, we looked at each other and was like, have we met in real life before? I don't know. And then we kind of giggled. And then um, we both had to run off to do our separate things. Um, but I'm so grateful that she sat down with me to share a bit about her life and her work with this podcast. And also, like again, like have a mild therapy session because that's what these conversations are for me. So a little bit about her. Alicia Crosby has always been the type of person to color outside the lines, a trait that comes in handy as co-founder and executive director of the Center for Inclusivity, or CFI, located in Chicago. Her passions for justice, spirituality, engaged activism, and community engagement led her to pursue an MA in social justice and a certificate in nonprofit management and philanthropy at Loyola University, Chicago. She also has a BA in Interdisciplinary Studies from Hollins University. Through experiences within religious, social service, and community empowerment context and her navigation of the world as a queer black woman, Alicia saw a need to address the spiritual, systematic, and interpersonal harm people experience through the promotion of inclusion and equity for all people through her work. She's proud that CFI is a place where people can bring the fullness of who they are forward and find community that gives them life. She is such an incredible human, and I'm stoked to be sharing our conversation with you today. So as per usual, grab a beverage of whatever kind you prefer, and enjoy this talk with my friend, Alicia Crosby.
2: I guess, like, demographically, Alicia Crosby is a 30-year-old Black woman um, who's queer-identified and pansexual Mm. from New York. Cool. Um, I moved to Chicago though nearly three years ago to start grad school, so I got a master's in social justice and um, a certificate in non nonprofit management and philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's actually what br- brought me to Chicago is I decided to, to, yeah, to pick up my life and pursue justice. Um, cool. Full time in my studies and then halfway through. Um I started a nonprofit with a friend because wow. that's what you do when you're in grad school.
0: Just, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> yeah, you just started a nonprofit because
2: Yeah, just, you, just you have all that extra time and energy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um and what is uh what is your nonprofit?
2: It's Center for Inclusivity. So um the friend that I mentioned I started this with is Jason Bilberry. Um this who sounds
0: so familiar and I feel like I know what you're gonna say and then I'm gonna be like, Oh my gosh, that was you
2: Mm-hmm. So Jay actually um, formerly worked at the Marin Foundation.
0: Yeah, yeah. And- okay, this makes so much sense. I know exactly. I know. I know who you are now.
2: <laughs> and so, um, so yeah. And Jay and I actually met in twenty fifteen. Nope, twenty fourteen when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing research um, on queer youth and their religious families, mm-hmm. and looking at. Ways that their conservative religious family specifically mm-hmm. could employ a theopraxis of love. So, like, what does it mean if, like, your theological praxis mm-hmm. um, is lived out in love versus whatever the hell it actually is for a number of these kids who are experiencing religious trauma and and, and abuse, right? Um, and yeah, so in me doing this project that time that me and Jay, we, um, in my research, I reached out to a number of organizations universities, um, shelters, who worked with queer youth, um, mm-hmm. Marin being one of them. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, like we sat down and talked about like, you know what was out there around like religious families like and, and young people um, who were queer identified, just seeing like, you know, just what the landscape looked like in terms of research. Mm-hmm. We vibed really well. When he left the organization, um, we had a sit down and we talked about what would it mean to start a, a nonprofit Mm -hmm. whose mission on heart was to create space where we could explore inclusion of sexual and gender minorities from a faith perspective, but that was multi-faith and also included communities Mm -hmm. or people who were of not any faith, who didn't have a faith tradition. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we started CFI in May of 2015 and we're going into year two of operation.
0: Wow. Yo, that is so nuts to me.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, And I love, I love that Mm
2: -hmm.
0: because like what, like what does it mean for someone to have a theopraxis of love? Mm -hmm. Even, even I guess like regardless of like what you, where you fall, like theologically speaking, Mm -hmm. um, what does it look like to still have that person? So like when you're talking to individuals, to youth, Mm -hmm. to parents of youth, um, Mm -hmm. like what, like how, how do you explain this whole thing to them? Like, like what's uh, like, what's like the general approach?
2: I mean, just kind of, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's like just what you said. Like, what does it mean? Like, regardless of like your ideology, mm-hmm. where you fall, like what your theology is on, on what it means to be LGBTQ, what does it mean for people to be in relationships, to be partnered, mm-hmm. regardless of all that, what does it mean for you to live out a theology of love? What does it mean to care for folks? Mm-hmm. Um, the beautiful thing is in the work that we do with the center, um, To be honest with you, because we are an organization that does work from a multi faith perspective, more often than not, because we're affirming, like we speak to populations that are working towards inclusion on their end, Mm -hmm. and they already are affirming. I mean, Mm -hmm. definitely, we want to have more of these conversations, like within people, with people who are within conservative spaces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, when given the opportunity, that's what I ask: is you know, what is love, and how do you act out of that? Yeah, like if this is like your tradition, whether that tradition be Islam or, Mm. or Christianity or Judaism and like love or or commitment and and relationship in terms of what it means to be community. Like, what does it mean to live out those, those practices?
0: Um, Have you ever worked with like uh, a population that I was like, kind of like describing like my church where like, they are kind towards LGBTQ plus people, Mm -hmm. but they are, uh, not doing anything to like let them say, or they're limiting their participation in uh, the religious community. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we've dealt honestly a little bit less with those organizations just because of how like mm. openly affirming and progressive we are.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause um, then people just don't want to mess with you. Really. We're
2: not necessarily invited into those spaces. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 That makes and sense. And it's not
2: that we, we wouldn't like, relish the opportunity to work with them. Um, but like again, when like you like post on your website like, hey, we've talked about like non monogamy, folks get a little bit scared of you because they're afraid of like sliding down the quote unquote slippery slope and they don't quite know what you're you're gonna bring to the table when you get there. We've had a lot more contact with people who are LGBTQIA identified, folks who are openly affirming of those populations and some who like, you know, question when we're in other spaces. But quite honestly, we're oftentimes invited into a space where the work towards affirmation and um, affirmation and I think helping people more fully engage has already begun, mm-hmm. and so we come in to encourage conversation around what inclusion looks like, what it feels like, mm-hmm. like how is it made tangible? Um, yeah, yeah. And how is it made tangible?
0: Yeah. No so, like, no, so like 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 when, with that question right there, like how is it made tangible? Like when like when you're going into those spaces of like. Churches who say, "Oh yeah, we're open and inclusive, or we're like we're working towards that." Um, mm-hmm. What kinds of like questions are you asking, or is it, like there some sort of metric that you're gauging with them?
2: I wouldn't say that there's a metric per se because every
0: community is different.
2: What full participation looks like to to be involved in a community, like it varies from space to space. Mm-hmm. But I mean, are people like fully able to engage? Like whatever levels of engagement you have, like present here. So if it is like a religious community, mm-hmm. are you is this an institution where people can participate in like in the the teaching, mm-hmm. in the prayers, in you know leadership? You know, I mean, and that's definitely something that's true outside of like religious, specifically religious space. Mm-hmm. So like in like other like nonprofits that would look to be more inclusive, it's like are people like represented in your leadership? Are folks you know taking charge of of projects? Are there initiatives that specifically support this community in this space? All of those things, I think, go towards seeing in- inclusion be a priority. That way, people are fully engaged, but also see themselves represented, like in the full life of this organization or institution. But like one of the things I definitely advocate for people doing within like within a spiritual context mm-hmm. is like to question what church is. And I definitely wholly understand and respect the decision of you and the other folks who are in like your community to stand, to create and and to cultivate space where you are. Mm -hmm. But for some people like their best spiritual life isn't lived in those spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a, a, maybe a dual conversation or or just another path of conversation that needs to happen. It's like, what is spiritual community to you? How is it that Mm -hmm. you engage with God or the divine? How do you engage with others? How are you like spiritually uplifted and enriched?
0: I think that's a big thing I've personally wrestled with too, is like, I often wonder, what am I doing? Like, you know, why do mm-hmm. I, why am Why am I sticking around? Like, I think, like, to do work like this, like, sometimes it takes that kind of grit of just, like, you know, the, like, the, the capacity to be heartbroken over and over again. And almost, like, let yourself be seen, like, by mm-hmm. the people around you. And, like, and I'm not trying to, like, sound like a martyr or something awesome, mm-hmm. but I think there is something to be said for people who decide to stick in spaces that are where people's like, where people basically say like, you don't like, this isn't the space for you. And you're saying like, actually I have every right to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Letting like your active resistance be your, your, just your presence in the room.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's totally necessary. And what's the other word I'm looking for. It's, it's, it's necessary. It's honorable. And it's, and it's something that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. it absolutely needs to be done um my questioning like spiritual community and like and how it is that i found it personally Mm -hmm. came like years before i came out i just got tired of like being in space and like not feeling fulfilled or like taught or feeling like i was really gleaning anything from those experiences
0: and for you what would you what would you describe as healthy spiritual community or just healthy community for people
2: Again, I think that really depends on who you're talking to, like, what they need. I have shy away from from giving like, descriptors of things mm-hmm. um, that are super specific because, like, people have, like, you know, needs that may differ from the next person's. But, I mean, I think that there are just some, you know, general things that people could look for. Like, mm-hmm. is this a community that helps them? Be the best best version of themselves. Are people supportive and do they rally around each other like when needed? Whether it be in times of crisis or you know when someone's grieving or you know even for celebration. Celebration is like a need to support people where people can show up as as they feel to show up. And I mean that both in like like a literal and like you know like in a metaphorical sense. Mm-hmm. you know one of the my biggest irks in community is like if you like aren't somewhere for a long time and people are like oh so where have you been and it's just like i'm not here like <laughs> you, it happens
0: yeah. sometimes. there are weeks sometimes where it's i won't have like the emotional or like the emotional capacity to like go to church because mm-hmm. like i if i'm already walking in like on the defensive mm-hmm. or if i go to church and like it's just making me more sad to be there maybe i shouldn't go and like mm-hmm. giving myself permission Mm -hmm. to take time when i need time to Mm -hmm. like be angry or whatever and then like seek Mm -hmm. out community in other ways whether it's you know i'm gonna go have a drink with my friend Mm -hmm. um or i'm going to like on tuesday nights me i have a group of friends who on tuesday nights we get together we turn off our phones and we just ask each other how are you Mm -hmm. and then we have we have a two drink minimum yeah (laughs) so so (laughs) we uh we just uh that's like and i'm like that's church and, then if someone, and if someone needs to be prayed for, we pray for them. Mm-hmm. And if someone needs, like, a resource, like, we'll, we'll f- help them get it. And yeah. that to me was just like, wow, like, I have a church of eight people who meets in my living room every other Tuesday-ish. And, like, that does more to fill me up than, like, going to this highly, produ- like, to, like, a highly produced mm-hmm. uh, Christian music concert that happens. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, just, like, if the content from the platform is whack... I don't want to sit there and listen to that.
2: I mean, there's so much wisdom to be gleaned in like those eight people gatherings, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not you have like a text open in front of you, the story of your lives is text enough. It's like, what are the ways that God showed up for me? What are the ways that I showed up for somebody else that was God becoming manifest in their world? Mm -hmm. Like that's church and it's always been church. And I think that we need to get to a place where we reorient ourselves to understand that as being church, Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, I don't know. Like, is there something that I've been like wrestling with personally for these last, mm, maybe like mm, three or four. No, there's definitely been more than that. So four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at the scriptures, I see people who are working out their theology. Mm-hmm. They're, they're working out their relationships with God. They're capturing the conversations that they had with people. They are speaking about the ways that they saw like the spirit show up mm-hmm. and like literally sometimes wrestled with the divine. These are the same things that we deal with from day to day. And so there's something holy and, and beautiful about those those tensions and those struggles and that journey that when we only pay attention to what was said in the past and, and that was canonized, that we lose out on. Like when yeah. we don't of our lives like we really go missing
0: a lot I also think it's like really interesting like just to think about or to kind of to try and imagine like what religious space is going to look like over the course of, like, the next 20 or even 50 years. When, like, I mean, like, when I look at, like, at least, like, conservative closed-off religion, regardless of what religion you're talking about, whether it's Christianity or Judaism or any sort of religious institution, like, the more closed-off they are, the more stuck they are in their ways. I feel like those are the spaces that are gonna start dying out because people are, like, people are tired of just, like, same old, same old. You know, spaces like you're creating with the Center for Inclusivity, or when I think about like at least like in Atlanta in general, like how interesting it is that I can you know organize a brunch for just like queer people of faith, and how many different stories are walking in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that to me is that's church. That's the not the new church, or maybe the the church that <laughs> maybe that's it's the a,
2: church. It's a church that's always been. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's seriously, it's the church that's always been. So, like, this is the thing that I get, like, really excited about talking about. So, when I started, like, thinking about, like, what church could be, um, it made me, like, go to the Gospels and, like, look at how, like, you know, Jesus establishes the church with the folks who were there. And, like, sure, there was that time that he had gone to, you know— he, he had temple time, right? Yeah. And temple time, if, like, we were to, like, translate it into, like, our day-to-day would be the congregational church. But, like, think about all the other places Jesus showed up. Jesus was kicking it on sides of the mountains. Mm-hmm. He was hanging out by the river. He was, like, in people's homes. There were, like, these, like, very intimate encounters in common space where people were just doing life. Mm-hmm. Like, they were going about their day-to-day, and here's this Jesus dude. He shows up and like that's the place where church happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that the same is true or it can be true for us if we allow ourselves to to understand that that's always been part of our spiritual identity. Mm-hmm. Like church has always had the capacity to happen in those intimate small day-to-day places, like it could be in your house, it could be at a coffee shop and I, it's not necessarily the quote unquote like house church type example. Just being present with others and just speaking about life and about navigating, you know, hardship sometimes and just like where God is or isn't and what you're wrestling with or what you're not, like what you're happy about or what's giving you grief. That's church. Relationship mm. is church. Orienting ourselves towards one another is church. Hell, I'd argue a good portion of what happens in congregational spaces isn't church because people aren't actually in relationships with each other. Ooh,
0: You better let them know.
2: Yeah. Like you're spending all this time listening to this person or these people standing on a dais telling you about sacred text. Guess what? At what point is that, that leadership encouraging you to turn to someone other than for like a little speaking point or a handshake or a high five, but really get to know that person enter into a relationship with them do life know what they're carrying from day to day Mm -hmm. where does that happen because that's the work of the church
0: my friend Casey like says this all the time about how like for example this past Sunday like I could have not spent the gas money to get here Mm -hmm. not spent like the time like I like there was this is two hours of my life that I'm never going to get back and I could have been doing something much more productive with this two hours
2: yeah
0: (laughs) it sounds like it I mean, and like, and like, I and like now, like, I have to, like, I always give my, like, I didn't stay, like, after, like, he prayed and the worship band came back. I'm like, I'm going, like, I'm not, and I don't have, yeah. like, there's no time for this, like, I need to go do things with my life, like, if I'm gonna be here, and mm-hmm. I sent, I sent my church feedback. I'm just like, we, we're a church that, so like, you know, if we're, if you are going to claim to be loving, if you're going to claim to be like inclusive, if you're going to claim to be diverse, if you claim to be a champion of immigrants and people of color and women. Why not put a, a woman on the platform? Message. Why, why not put why not put a black person on the platform? Why not put an immigrant on the platform? Mm-hmm. Why not find some intersectional person who embodies all of that? Put them on the platform because they exist. I mean, we live in GD Atlanta. Mm-hmm. There's so, like we have an entire immigrant population in Clarkston. That's full mm-hmm. of people who could get up on the stage and tell us a story that would bring us to tears and probably closer to Jesus than mm-hmm. this white person who, you know, is trying to give me some wisdom when he's never walked a day in my shoes and does like the wisdom you're trying to dispel on me has no consequence on my life.
2: Yeah. <sighs> but I think that that happens when people who are more concerned with concentrating powers in certain silos mm. than actually doing the work of the church. Yeah. Because there's transformation that has to happen when people start sharing their stories. Nobody walks away the same consistently. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. if you have a woman who's there, if you have an immigrant, if you have somebody who's in the LGBT community, like sharing their stories, it means it's challenging the assumptions that that space holds. It's challenging the way that people think about leadership. Mm -hmm. Like everything gets pushed back at through the power of these narratives. And So I would, you know, question whether or not people want to see power, if they want to invite people into community authentically, because it means that the way that the community moves and flows and works has to change. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's the thing. I think so many well-established evangelical churches, which that's like the world I work in, which is why I always reference it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's why people don't talk about these things that why like the person on the platform is always going to be like the same cookie cutter kind of person because Mm -hmm. you get somebody up there who could possibly say something challenging or quote-unquote dangerous Mm -hmm. and then your model for your giving model goes out the window because people don't like that you gave the gay person a mic or the woman a mic um Mm -hmm. your attendance is going to drop off And what I think is very interesting, too, is, like, there's a lot of people out there, especially in leadership, who are a lot more progressive and a lot more woke than they're letting on, Mm -hmm. and they don't say anything because they're, I mean, honestly, like, when I think of it from, like, a when I zoom out of, like, my own emotions and my involvement, like, it makes sense. Somebody who has a comfortable position has no need of talking about matters of justice, has no need to challenge mm-hmm. the status quo, because if they challenge the status quo, there goes their paycheck. You know, mm-hmm. they challenge the status quo, like, and like, you know, if you have a family that you have to take care of, like, of course, like, it's very, very smart of you to keep your mouth shut, but mm-hmm. at what cost to the rest of your community, especially if you are claiming to be, um, a person who follows a very radical Jesus.
2: Mm-hmm. And right. I think that that's a question that needs to be asked. And need that you know there's challenges that's needed in those spaces. I mean, and sometimes people will rise to the occasion. I've known you know pastors who have been asked that question, and other like specific like to the, the Christian tradition, right? Because we're talking about like Christian churches. Mm-hmm. Like I've known pastors who have been asked that question and like, you know what? You're right. So let's do this. Mm-hmm. And like they completely like shake everything up and like switch gears, and and start doing that hard work of like helping. To, to create space for their community to, to question mm-hmm. and it's risky because they know you're right like they can lose their jobs they can lose you know the financial back and they can lose you know what whatever their lives look like it may not look like that at the end of this process
0: mm-hmm.
2: they end up you know without their church without their spouse
0: their communities their yeah. people
2: all of those things may disappear but like I mean I think that that's the beauty and the challenge
0: mm-hmm. and maybe
2: even sometimes the call of what it means to stand in solidarity with people.
0: Yeah. Because if, if you are willing to suffer the same consequences as, exactly. as the people who are living out the truth of who God called them to be. Absolutely. Like one of
2: the things that like a professor of mine had uh, had shared, we were speaking about, um, about like what solidarity means in like in a liberation theology class that I took. And he's like, you know, true solidarity is breathing the same air that someone breathes. And so when certain like losses happen, when certain challenges arise and it's, and those are challenges and losses that have been experienced by people in like your community, mm-hmm. like that's reflective of a, of good solidarity because you are now breathing their air. Mm-hmm. You know what the quality of the water is like here like you know what it feels like to like you know walk and feel like the gravel shift beneath your feet because you're walking the same road as them instead of like being somewhere else being outside of that space and having no idea like what it means for them to to be present with you
0: Hey friends, we're going to take a quick break from this conversation to pay a little bit of the bills, and then we'll be right back with this conversation with Alicia. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, this episode of A Tiny Revolution is brought to you by the fine folks at Studio, a headphone company that I think is seriously going to be changing the game. They actually sent me a, a, a set of their headphones to try out, and let me tell y'all, this is the real deal. Um, a couple of stats about them: 24 hours of listening battery life. They can sit idle for 20 days, so if you know for some reason I'm being lazy, like they're not gonna die completely. Um, they've got interchangeable ear caps. Most of their models are wireless, and they've got a 10 meter Bluetooth range, which means my ass can go to the fridge to get another Lacroix while I'm editing and listening, and not have to unplug, which for me is a huge plus honestly the sound coming out of these things is incredible so if that sounds like something that's appealing to you why don't you go get your own listeners of a tiny revolution can get 15% off of their purchase by using offer code revolution 15 at checkout and that's on any product for forever say it with me forever so hang on to that code Again, that's Revolution 15. You can go to com slash US. That's Studio spelled S-U-D-I-O com slash US to learn more about their products and treat yourself. Honestly, you deserve some awesome headphones, boo. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to the conversation. And I think that's thing that's the the most frustrating thing is people in leadership who will say oh I love I love my gay brothers and sisters I really do I love yeah. them um mm-hmm. and yet will will not stand with them will not fight for them and like I think that the analogy you just gave of just like breathing the same air yeah. the the genuine disconnection mm-hmm. from my life mm-hmm. and how it becomes enough for you to see me a couple times around town during the week, ask me how I'm doing, high five me, mm-hmm. and not really be invested in like my life or yeah. under or, or even attempting to understand like how hard it is for me to show up week in and week out because of this strange compulsion of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just that just sucks, you know. It's trash. Like...
2: It's a trash. It's a trash ass way to exist.
0: There's a part of me that wonders, like, why am I still here? You know, mm-hmm. why do I choose to stick around in a space that is not, that loves me in spite of myself, rather than just loving me for me? You know?
2: Oh, oh God, that's, that's hard. That's, oh, oh God, that's such a hard, mm-hmm. a hard thing to 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 hold. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 like, as you were speaking, like, I was thinking about, like, relational stagnation. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to to throw boundaries around what relationship can be, um, and how dangerous that is? And I think that that's a little bit of what's happening, like within like your church community, mm-hmm. is they are so sure of, of themselves and of their doctrines, and not given room for the spirit to like to move and to to live and to breathe <laughs> um, new life and, and create new things and and push past old concepts and old ways of knowing Mm -hmm. um, that there is relational stagnation. It's like, this is who we are and this is what we've done. And this is all we will ever do. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a dangerous place to be. It's like, I I, like to use a marriage analogy, which the church is so fond of doing, (laughs) come on, you wouldn't tell someone in, in getting to know their spouse that this is who this person is who they will always be there's always a a deeper deeper ways that we can know people and there are more there's more intimacy to be gained and to be explored the the you know the more you shift and grow and make space for that that knowing and understanding and that movement of life Mm -hmm. and so if you as as a, a religious leader can't do that. You are creating conditions of relational stagnation, not only for the p- people at your church, but also between you and the spirit and them in the spirit. Mm-hmm. You have a hindrance to the ways that people can know God because you're teaching them that God can only ever be known in this way. So they don't grow and you don't grow and you're stagnant and yeah. you're in the space forever until you choose not to be.
0: Yeah. And the thing is like the choice is like, staring the church in the face Mm -hmm. like it's either i'm like i i it gets me so frustrated too because like it's not a matter of whether god affirms lgbtq people or not like god is already doing that Mm -hmm. it's not it's not a matter of whether god empowers women to be in leadership god has already is already doing that Mm -hmm. it's whether or not you like you being the big C church and any other mm-hmm. church that li- limits the participation of people in the body. It's whether or, you, or not like, you know, if our call is to loose the chains of injustice, mm-hmm. we should do that within our own people. Like mm-hmm. if, if we're going to, if we're called to be, you know, neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus, what, 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 what are we doing then?
2: Exactly. Like and we're called we're called to free up the space and to levy those those things that would erect themselves against the knowledge of God, not mm. these very things.
0: And what also worries me so much mm-hmm. is because, like, as a person who grew up thinking and believing that God's love was for other people, like for people other than me,- mm-hmm. believing that people who are holy enough, good enough. They got to experience abundant life, and I'm over here with this thorn in my flesh or whatnot um it's uh it's hard for me to to sit by and like let other people experience the same thing either implicitly or explicitly um mm-hmm. because you can still be a church who like allows queer people to come into your space that allows you know because I can talk a big game, but then. Mm-hmm you know, never, ever, like, it's, it's one thing to, to, to be welcoming. It's another one to be neutral, you mm-hmm. know, and neutrality is, is a myth of, of the privilege.
2: Absolutely. So like,
0: Absolutely. I, and it's like, and I also think about like the youth, like our youth group kids, like I know who is teaching our youth group at our church and I am like, want to be like, when it like, well, what happens when, the, when that one, you know, gay boy starts experimenting with eyeliner, what are you going to do with that kid? You know, what are you gonna do when that one girl she starts, oh, she's actually uh, genderqueer and she cuts off all our hair mm-hmm. and she wants to use they them pronouns. What are you gonna do with that? Mhm And like like we are <laughs> like we're like we're ignoring we're ignoring ourselves.
2: We are. and, and I think I, I think that like the fact that you see this, um, it's beautiful. And it's, it's also probably indicative of a little bit of, of maybe what your call is, mm. is to remind people that we're ignoring ourselves and the danger in doing that and to continue shining light on on those who wouldn't be seen. Like you're asking the important question, like who's missing from this conversation? Mm. Who's not being addressed? Who's not being acknowledged? And how do we draw them into community?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's mm-hmm. necessary, especially in, a, in an entity that's only 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 purpose in it for existing is to function as community like if a church isn't being community then what the hell is it there for I body why why
0: why does it exist One thing that scares me about like mega churches too is that exact thing oh yeah is that we so one person kind of like used like the analogy of just like when Jesus fed the 5,000 people you know they all showed up. They got fed by by literally the son of God. And uh, and then they went away. We don't really know what happened to those 5,000 men plus their spouses or children. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what happened to them, but we know that they got fed and hopefully that that was a positive thing in their life. And one person said, well, that's kind of like what like megachurches are doing. They're kind of like feeding the 5,000 who are getting a positive word and then going away. And then on maybe the closer to proximity to discipleship to Jesus, like those people are getting there, but just, I just don't trust it. Like, um, I don't know I, if I, I don't know I, if I buy I, I that. Really,
2: I wholly understand. And um, <laughs> and low key, high key, all the keys agree with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the question that I've asked about megachurches, and there are some that do things a lot more effectively than others. And I've had to kind of like eat a little crow over the years when I've actually seen like megachurches showing up Mm. for communities it's like all right so some of y'all are doing this okay yeah but one of the questions i have is like part of having an active spiritual life is engagement Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and so what happens in a culture that like that kind of bends towards elitism of sorts when someone who's a teacher doesn't have the capacity to teach Mm. and a preacher who will never preach and who's a singer who can never lift their voice because they're not part of the elite they're not known there are thousands of people in this church and they're like maybe not like you know on that i don't i don't know like that is real hot and flow but
0: mm-hmm. like they've got
2: a good voice and they've got a song to sing and they've got a, a the spirits put a, a song in their heart but they don't ever have the space to exercise that mm-hmm. and that's the question that i've i've had like Honestly, for the better part of the last ten years, after coming out of megachurch culture, because um, I used to like minister and like and work in a megachurch context in my like early twenties. Oh, wow! Like, what did mm-hmm. it mean for all of those people who didn't get a chance to actually like flex their spiritual muscles? Yeah, they didn't get a chance to exercise anything because they weren't the elite. They weren't the uh, the the ones who were seen mm-hmm. as being the most talented. Yeah. I mean, that they didn't have talent, but they weren't seen as such by those in leadership.
0: Yeah, because they weren't, you know, the white, sexy, hot pastor.
2: Mm-hmm. Or, and I mean, in the case where I was at, they, you know, were the Latino, like, sexy, mm-hmm. hot pastor or whatever, like, their identities were. They're mm-hmm. all these people who aren't living the fullness of their spiritual lives because there's part of, like, their gift things that never get accessed in spaces
0: mm-hmm.
2: where there's no room for them to do it
0: that happens you know you've got a very very particular look mm-hmm. on the platform you got a very particular yeah. aesthetic and you're mm-hmm. like you know and it's very interesting like if like I so people ask me like, oh Kevin where do you go to church I'm like oh I go to Grace I'm Like, oh is it an inclusive church I'm like no you should probably go elsewhere to be honest I'm there trying to cause a revolution obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> And just like I don't want to like want to bring people into my my mess, I'm just like I wanted them to go somewhere where they can like thrive fully, because yeah. like I because it's like it's like I want you to go somewhere where your full giftings can be honored. And I also think about this in terms of like um, I'm going I'm starting seminary in the fall, and mm-hmm. I know my second year I have to do practical ministry in a church, mm-hmm. and so I wonder I'm just like is this church that I have like signed the papers for like signed the paperwork for to become mm-hmm. an official member, and I've been a member of this church for a year. Mm -hmm. are they going to foster that? Like my pastor wrote my recommendation, which was also the same pastor who told me that I couldn't lead a house church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, uh, you know, what are you going to do when, you know, my second year olds around and I say, Hey, like I need you to be my pastor right now and provide me an opportunity to thrive and grow and to fulfill my call. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you going to do, bruh, bruh.
2: And I think that that is an excellent question for him to have to wrestle with both relationally with you and also with God. It's Mm -hmm. like, I can stand behind this person enough to tell an institution to accept them so they can delve into like, you know, just theological text and discourse and, and be stretched. But will I let them exercise with that stretching causes them to like, to surface Mm -hmm. to work to see manifest that's gonna Mm -hmm. be a heck of a question that they have to
0: (laughs) some people ask me why i stay in the church and i say it's because i'm a petty ass bitch
2: (laughs) (laughs) or prophetic you you know sometimes you you have to you gotta speak to things
0: yo petty or prophetic that's the question of my life (laughs) yo that's a book petty and prophetic look let's let's co-write
2: this alicia we got this let's do it.
0: <laughs> and that is my conversation with my friend alicia crosby babe thank you for sitting down with me i had such a good time we need to do that again because i miss you um anyways you can follow alicia crosby on twitter at promise chaser and you can find her work with cfi at Centerforinclusivity.org. Thanks for joining me for a Black History Month Encore episode, friends. I really hope you enjoyed it. Special thanks, as always, to my amazing supporters on Patreon, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Patreon, if you didn't know, is an easy way for you to give back to the creatives you love who make the content you consume in a practical way. It's a a way for you to invest in the work and make sure that it's sustainable and that it gets better on top of that there are perks involved with being a sustaining partner t-shirts and giveaways daily devotionals exclusive online communities and more so if you'd like this podcast and you're the kind of person who maybe goes out to eat a couple times a week maybe you buy your coffee instead of make your coffee at home i bet you have a couple bucks in your back pocket that you'd be willing to give to help create content that is reaching people and helping change some lives in the process so, uh, if becoming a sustaining partner sounds appealing to you, which I'm sure that it does because you're such a generous human, I know you, you love to give. It's just part of who you are, right? Because you're a good Christian. <laughs> um, you can go over to patreon.com slash Garcia and make your pledge today. On top of that, I'd be super grateful if you could leave a review for A Tiny Revolution in the iTunes store. It's super easy. You can do it on your smartphone and it's the, probably the easiest way to support this podcast and help get it in front of the people who need it. Finally, I'd love to hear more from you. I'd love to connect with you over on my blog, vkevingarcia.com where you can comment, uh, leave suggestions, and if you have any ideas for future podcasts, go ahead and leave those in the comment section on the blog. And you can also connect with me across social media on Facebook, Twitter, and on my YouTube channel, all of which can be accessed from my site. That is all from me this week. Join me again next week for another dope conversation. Until then, go see your therapist, call your lover or your BFF, go dancing, eat something delicious, take a nap, take a walk, take a hike if you really are feeling it. Go do some yoga. I don't know. Just do something that makes you feel alive, babe, because you're worth it, okay? Uh, That's it. Uh, Again, my name is Kevin Garcia. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution, and we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Bye, honey.